the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Welcome back to another edition of the Underdog Podcast here on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. Uh, another Conference USA show for you with a little twist this time. Uh, I'm with you as always, Joe Lonergan, Western Kentucky person. Uh, and then we have Eric Henry, the FIU beat writer, doing his thing. And then today we are joined by our uh, Charlotte beat writer who came on this year doing a fantastic job so far, Mr. Hunter Bailey. Welcome to the show, sir. Hello, how are you? <laughs> good, good. Uh, this is going to be the first in our sort of um, guest series, I guess, where we kind of try to run through each of the Conference USA teams and really talk about what happened in 2018 and look forward to 2019. And Punter, we're, we're excited to have you on as the first one here. Yeah, I'm actually I'm excited as well. This is the uh, first one of these I've ever done, so I'm a bit nervous, but we're gonna get through it. <laughs> I pr- I promise you, it's it's gonna descend into madness real quick. I wouldn't be nervous. <laughs> yeah, Hunter, Hunter, if you've ever heard uh, Joe and I do this podcast, there's no reason to be nervous at all. So you'll be all right. <laughs> I've been listening up the past couple weeks since we talked about me coming on, so I'm prepared. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, how was uh, Gasparilla, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Okay. Um, I can I can sum up. I don't know if Joe saw my tweet or not. Um, let me just sum up my, my Gasparilla. Uh, for those of you listening, I don't care what it is, whether it's any type of parade or social event or function you go to. Um, make sure you have your phone fully charged because if you go out with a group of 10 friends, inevitably uh, all 10 will be dispersed into different places. Some will decide to take an Uber or a Lyft away from the crew and you will end up downtown on a very frigid uh, 52 degree day down here in Tampa, Florida uh, alone and without a phone and no way to get home because cell service was horrible because of all the people in the area. So uh, that's enough of me crying about my Gasparil experience. Uh, it was fun until it wasn't, Joe. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> in uh, stepping away from true pirate fashion, it did not end in, in booty. I'm assuming. <laughs> um, um, th- there was it didn't end in booty, but there was <laughs> a, a booty out there to be to be had. The booty um, was interspersed throughout the night. I take it. It, it was interspersed throughout the night, and uh, I got plenty of beats, and and there were plenty of of uh, booty distributed for beats. Um, but yeah, the night didn't end in, in that joke. No. Oh, fantastic! All right, I told <laughs> you we get the last last missing <laughs> podcast we'll ever do. <laughs> oh, for sure. People, no, I'm kidding. People, no, it's got it. It's gotten much worse on this very show. I assure you. We're. <laughs> I told you it's gonna get weird, Hunter. Um, but. What, well, <laughs> What'd you say, bud? I'm with it, though. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Before we get derailed too much further, though, let's dive into some uh, big news within the Conference USA sphere that happened this week. North Texas offensive coordinator Graham Harrell is moving on from Denton to be the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach at Southern Cal. Mean Green obviously had a ton of success with him at that position. We're a top 25 offense each of the last two years. Uh, pretty big loss for them. Don't think they'll immediately drop off a whole lot, but long-term, I'd say that's a pretty big hole um, in the ship for the Mean Green to plug there. 
Yeah, um, I mean, I'd agree as well. It, in, in the in the long term, I think it's something they'll get fixed. And I, I kind of like the idea that uh, Dakota Gregory, our UNT guy, threw out there, which is just, hey, maybe just have Mason Fine take over as the uh, de facto offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, and, and I know, you know, you said that jokingly. He's not serious. But when you look at the trend of offensive play callers out there, they are becoming younger and younger. So maybe Fine can just uh, take on the role, um, uh, dual role of a star quarterback and offensive coordinator. Uh, all jokes aside, I'm sure he'll, uh, you know, when you got a, a senior leader like that, uh, it, that's going to help make the transition a little bit smoother, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, Hunter, what are your thoughts on, on that uh, transition for Charlotte? First of all, we'll see how long Harold lasts before he ends up as an NFL head coach. We, we saw, saw what happened there. But um, I definitely think they'll transition well. Uh, they were a stout team last year, and kind of like you said, I don't think it'll be that much of an effect in the short term, but I think they'll have it taken care of before it creates any long-term problems. Yeah, it seems like each of the last few weeks we've gone into a debate about who should fill a particular coaching role that's vacant. By the time we actually get the podcast out, they found their guy. Doesn't that seem to be the trend? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, who knows by the time this actually goes to air, who knows if Graham Arrow, like, uh, like Hunter kind of joked, might have a head coaching job or something to that effect. But uh, yeah, like, like you said, Joe, I'm, I'm North Texas, you know, they'll, they'll get it squared away and in the long term won't be that big of an issue. Uh, I, I think the bigger issue with Seth Littrell staying there and the fact that they have that on board is really going to help them keep everything going in the right direction. Here's a thought. Now that uh, Seth Luttrell has his uh, his guy, his offensive coordinator, is no longer part of his core group, does that create less of uh, less of an attraction for him to stay in Denton long term? That's that's an interesting thought. Not something I had given any consideration to. Excuse me. Um, you and I have kind of you know thrown that topic back and forth out there. Uh, in, in my personal opinion, I, I don't think it creates that much of a difference. And I'm going to piggyback on what I had said a couple podcasts ago, which is if, if you're getting a, an offer from a, a, a P5 of like a Kansas State or a Vanderbilt or just a P5 that's not a top tier team, mm-hmm. what incentive do you really have to leave UNT where you got a really good thing going and you can kind of make your own legacy and stake, make your own your own claim there? So I, I just don't think that it plays that big of a, of a, of a deal, of, a, of an issue. But you never know. It's a fair point. I think you make a good point, and we have talked about that little thing earlier of what incentive do you have to go to these um, lower-tier P5 teams where the expectations are still really high for whatever reason. So I think I kind of agree with you in that Latrell has a really good setup where he is in Denton, provided he keeps winning. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't think he's going to make that jump um, you know, of his own volition, you know, next year, or the year after, unless it's a really good deal, obviously something above the tier of like what Kansas State was offering him uh, this year. So I think we're, we're all in kind of agreement on that situation there. Um, one other kind of league note to take note of uh, Mr. Aziz Al-Shair getting the combine invite for the NFL. Congrats to him. No, he was kind of dealing with some issues for a lot of this year amid FAU kind of not really living up to expectations, as we all know. Uh, Javon Durante also getting the invite for the Owls there. And then we're obviously going to see Devin Singletary a little bit at that combine as well. So... It's interesting that FAU had so much NFL talent the last two years, and yet they started the season the way that they did this year. But 
nevertheless, I think FAU fans can be pretty excited about seeing their guys compete at the next level here. Yeah, Joe, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth there because I was going to say, when you look back at it, I'd gotten into a couple Twitter debates kind of telling some UCF uh, fans that FAU could potentially be the toughest team that they would face this year. As we saw, that didn't exactly turn out to be the case. Mm-hmm. However, it, the talent was clearly there. When you have guys, uh, three guys getting invited to the Combine, Devin Singletary, we have to believe, will be a, a draft pick. A, I, I think they call it, what, day one, day two, day three now, uh, where I would project him. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't seen what his Combine would look like, but I think he's going to be at least a, a second or third round guy um, uh, Aziz is another guy who's a tackling machine you got to think there's room for him in the NFL Javon Durante as well and it'd be interesting to see if Jalen Young maybe gets a shot uh, at a combine invite as well so clearly there, the, the issue this year was not talent it was really for FIU kind of closing the uh, uh, close ball games Charlotte was able to get a victory on them uh, at, at the last game of the season uh, they, they played their best ball game against FIU I saw that firsthand but all in all they weren't able to put a consistent season together but still great to see their guys get those combine invites and and you know put more CUSA guys and more owls uh, in the in the pros so it's never a bad thing. I'd personally be shocked if Devin Singletary went past day two of that draft. I think he's that good. Regardless of wins losses this season, I I still think he's the most NFL ready back in the G five at least. Joe, I had never seen Dem- – well, I take the back. I'm sorry. I did see him play a few weeks earlier at UCF, and obviously that wasn't his best showing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, the first time I got to see him up close, you know, go down the field and watch him during warm-ups and things of that nature was when he came to FIU. And, Joe, I didn't realize how shifty and how fast he is because you see him and he's got that smaller frame at kind of like 5'8", 205, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you, can't, you can't really tell until you see him in person. Joe, he is, like you said, uh, especially um, in regards to the G5 ranks, he may be the most uh, pro-ready running back, but I, I, I can't disagree with you there. He's really a talent, so you know it'd be nice to see him get in the right situation and, and kind of shine, so that'd be nice. He's big and fast, just really won the genetic lottery on top of just having the you know, the work ethic and the talent that he clearly has from getting himself to that level. But yeah, once you just see pictures of this dude close up, he's just a mountain of a man and he can run as fast as he can run. It's not fair, I say. (laughs) (laughs) His backup, Kareth White, I believe he declared for the draft as well. No invite for him, though? Not yet, although these are still just kind of starting to roll out. Um, But that would be interesting if he did end up getting an invite. I feel like there's not too many years where you see both running backs from one stable get the invite. I mean, you see you see two running backs from one school go in the draft, but it, I feel like it's not super often that you see uh, two running backs from one school get invited to the combine. Am I wrong on that? Joe, the last time, I mean, I don't know if you can think of anything more recent, Hunter, but the last thing that comes to mind, honestly, maybe I'm, I'm you know, Joe and I are, will be showing our age here. Uh, Lendale White and Reggie Bush is the last time I can think of two running backs in the same, you know, backfield getting a combine invites. And can you think of anything else? Not off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I know that the backfield at FAU was, was fast last year, though. I I got to see that in the last game of the season. They were they were definitely a problem, so I wouldn't be shocked to see White get one. He was he didn't get as many touches, but he was definitely in the same ballpark in terms of talent as Singletary was or is, I guess. 
Yeah, for sure. He's got that big frame in the way that Lindell White did, and I, I think he'll turn out a little bit better in terms of NFL prospects than White did, but I think that's kind of an apt comparison just in terms of running style. I think I also think he's a little bit faster than Lindell White, but, but I digress. Um, yeah, so FAU fans, get ready to see some of your guys succeed at the next level. Hopefully, um, they're at least getting a shot at doing that. And with that, we'll move on to uh, talking about the the main reason that we asked Hunter to come on today, and that's uh, looking back on Charlotte's 2018 season and looking forward to next season. Uh, of course, the 49ers finished this last campaign five and seven overall, one win shy of a bowl season, and I feel like that's just that's a little bit higher than what a lot of people, myself included, really expected out of this program. Was was that what you were expecting for Charlotte coming into the season, Hunter? Um, I wasn't sure what to expect when uh, Reynolds emerged as the starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Reynolds, though, initially was a walk-on, got a scholarship, came from fifth on the depth chart. Uh, I didn't know what to think. Um, I had actually played high school ball with the quarterback from the year before, Hassan Clue, and so I was, you know, immediately shocked to hear that he wouldn't be the guy that season. But, um... Everybody knew that Benny LeMay was going to be a problem, but kind of figuring out, you know, who who on the offense in terms of the receiving core and the defense was going to step up. But I would say they definitely exceeded expectations. Yeah, you mentioned uh, how good Ben LeMay was this past season. What do you think is the ceiling for him? Because it seemed like he was one of the main spark plugs for that offense. I think his ceiling is as high as as the quarterback, whoever that may be, will take him. And the reason I say that is because, I mean, there were multiple games last season where Charlotte wasn't passing for 100 yards a game, some games throwing less than 15 passes in general. So, I mean, it's easy as a defensive coordinator, especially into the second half of a game, to say, you know, we're going to stop this, we're going to load the box, and it's going to make it tough for you to run. So I'd say his ceiling is, you know, letting the run open up the pass, and, you know, they'll get the ball to him as much as they can. Coach Healy said that they'd love to run the ball 30 or more times a game, and that that's perfect for him. Yeah, I'd say so. You mentioned uh, Coach Healy, of course, referring to Will Healy, now the first-year head coach of the Charlotte 49ers, coming in there from uh, Austin P, I believe. Um, but what do you think is the biggest difference between Will Healy and Brad Lambert in terms of coaching style? Uh, I've spoke to a few different players and some people around the program, and the word that just keeps reoccurring is energy. Um, like we I kind of said in a little aired sentence earlier, uh, he's hired at 34 years old, uh, definitely a spark plug in terms of energy. You can tell at his press conferences, uh, any interviews that he does that, you know, he's, he's excited to be there and he wants to ensue like a winning culture in Charlotte. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely excited to see the difference, um, whether that be like on the sideline uh, during the game, if his energy is, is high, I haven't seen that much from Austin P. But just from speaking to him the couple times that I have, he he seems like a spark plug. 
What do you think has been like the fan reaction to the Healy hire and some of the things that he's done since he came into that office? Uh, the fans, everybody that I've seen are just really excited that he's recruiting Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that was one of the downfalls and I feel like there's definitely a lot of talent in and around this area that we weren't exactly picking up on, but that is one of the biggest things so far that he's brought because he's, I mean, the hashtag that they have gone on Twitter is seize the city and whether that means getting the best talent in the city and getting the name out there, but that seems to be priority number one for them. Joe, you mind if I jump in a quick second? Because I want to ask Hunter a quick question about that. Uh, I love to get into it on, on Twitter with some of the Charlotte fan base, some of the Agent 49 and, and some of the other uh, guys who are, who are huge Charlotte fans on, on Twitter and have that social media presence. And I think you hit the nail on the head. A lot of the things that they talked about, because I was somewhat of a Brad Lambert defender in the sense that I just thought that he greatly exceeded expectations and maybe deserved another season. However, a lot of the fan base said that he was not recruiting Charlotte effectively. And I didn't get a chance to ask you this when I met you uh, at the Charlotte game, uh, the FIU Charlotte game. Um, I know you mentioned you played with Clue. So are you, first thing, are you from the Charlotte area? And then the second question is, what kind of talent is there in Charlotte? Because I guess I don't think of Charlotte as necessarily a uh, high school football hotbed, so to speak. But that was one thing that fans were very um, you know, emphatic about is that they must recruit Charlotte better. Uh, to answer your first question, I'm from Concord, which is like 10, 15 minutes from Charlotte. But um, okay. I would say there's definitely a lot of talent in the area. I mean, you have Mallard Creek, which produces a lot of talent. Uh, the Matthews area in general, Huff. There's definitely a lot around here. Even where I'm from, Cabarrus County is putting, you know, they're marking D1 football this season. But um, like I say, there's definitely like some of the guys that they brought in this year just from the area, like Jalen Sharp, Trey Bly, two of their highest rated recruits from the local area. So, I mean, it's there. They just need to, I mean, well, he's doing it now, but emphasize getting them to stay home in the city. Sorry about that, Joe. I'll let you jump back in. Sorry. Apology accepted. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> as we finish uh, reviewing 2018 for Charlotte, let's look ahead to 2019. Who do you think is going to start at quarterback for Charlotte in 2019? Obviously, have the USF transfer that just came in. Um, their previous starter had a pretty good year as well. Um, so I think you know that job seems like it, it at least should be up for discussion in terms of who's going to get there. Um, so who do you think is going to be under center come come August here? I think that it'll come down to uh, Brett Keane, the transfer, and Chris Reynolds. Uh, I know Lambert was really high on Chris Reynolds, even when he went down uh, week six uh, post-game. He was pretty much said that you know regardless uh that he was the guy so that told me i know there's been a coach a coaching change but that told me that the talent difference was a noticeable one but uh, um reynolds uh the rap on him is that he's undersized he's 511 uh and the transfer is 6-1 and a three-star uh reynolds was a uh, just a preferred walk-on so i mean in terms of the recruiting standpoint 
King looks to be the more highly touted prospect, but I, I would not be shocked at all to see Chris Reynolds be the guy again this season. I think, you know, form chemistry with the team past couple seasons that he's been there, the the majority of the offense is returning. So I he showed flashes in his, you know, five and a half ish games. So that would be my pick for uh, twenty nineteen. Just to give just to give a little more background on Brett Keen being here in Tampa, I've seen Brett Keen's career pretty closely. Uh, obviously, came from here at USF, and he was a kid out of Ohio, a really highly touted prospect uh, from a, a really well-to-do high school in Ohio. He had a, a very, a really weird kind of auspicious career here at USF. Uh, one of the major things that happened to him this year was that he had a, a situation where he was ruled academically ineligible for four games, then it was reduced to two games, then it was maybe suspended for the year. Uh, it was actually reported by the Daily Stampede, our SB Nation website, and they had a kind of a back and forth with the local newspaper, the Tampa Bay Times, as far as what would be the situation. But the thing with Keen overall, as far as his play on the field, he did see some meaningful snaps in, in his time in Tampa, but he just couldn't beat out Chris Oladokun, who who actually ended up transferring as well for the backup spot. Brett Keen was actually the number three quarterback behind Ola Dokin and Blake Barnett. And if my memory serves me correct, I want to say Keen was the backup for Quentin Flowers during his time. Um, I know he was there. I just cannot remember if he was the number two or if it was Ola Dokin. I, I think they might have flip-flopped uh, going from last year to this year. But Keen's a really talented guy. And, and kind of piggyback on what Hunter said, it's it's going to be interesting because Reynolds really was a Brad Lambert guy, and, and clearly Keen was someone who was brought in by Will Healy. I I like Reynolds. I think he's a gamer. You know, even though he's undersized, he, he just really plays above his stature. But Brett Keen physically is very talented. Can move in the pocket. Has a really good arm. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Just to give a little more background on Brett Keen and his time here in Tampa. Yeah, that will be kind of interesting. Um, Eric, before the show started, you brought up a good question that I think is worth kind of getting into. Um, losing Glenn Spencer for the 49ers, that could be a pretty big loss for them. And uh, Hunter, I'd love to get your thoughts on that as someone who spends a lot of time and uh, paying attention to this program. Yeah, um, through some of the player interviews, especially with some of the defensive guys, uh, there was definitely – um, some frustration from them when they found out he wouldn't be retained. Uh, I mean, as you can expect, any coaching change can be frustrating for players, you know, what you're used to, what you're accustomed to, to switch. But um, the defense is returning about nine, I would say nine of the 11 starters. Uh, they picked up two pretty big time transfers. Uh, one from Penn State, a linebacker, Breland, I'm not sure how you pronounce the last name, Fajion. And then Marquel Osborne from Tennessee, uh, both pretty, pretty highly touted guys. And uh, they're actually getting a cornerback, a press corner, and uh, his name is Quentin Jordan. Mm-hmm. He um, was actually suspended last year. But um, what I was told by some of the defensive guys was that he's one of the best press corners that they've seen. So replacing... They're having to replace Ed Roll in the secondary, so I think they'll do just fine with that. And then the other replacement would be Jawan Foggy, who had an incredible year last year. But I think they're switching schemes to a 4-2-5 is what Healy said. 
I think that's definitely going to give they have some really good edge rushers returning and switching to that's going to give them ample opportunity to get to the quarterback but um Spencer went down to FAU with Lane Kiffin right yes yes correct gotcha yeah, I think replacing him is going to be tough. I think they have the pieces to make that happen, but I think they're definitely going to have to overcome some adversity with that. Given all that we've talked about and uh, the recruiting changes and the coaching changes and all that, um, how many games do you predict Charlotte's going to win next season if you had to put a number on it? Uh, if there was a spread, I would favor them at seven and a half so I'm stuck between seven and eight looking at the schedule mm-hmm. uh, their non-conference is pretty tough they got two really tough road games uh, at App and App Clemson uh, they're going to have FAU at home and then the biggest game that I'm worried about for them is in terms of conference play is heading to FIU in week six or week seven I believe but I would definitely say, hopefully, seven to eight games. Okay. You guys will get to meet up again at that FIU-Charlotte game. <laughs> yeah, man. I was, I was, uh, was going to tell Hunter, yeah, man, get, get, get down there, man. You can, uh, you can crash in my place, save on hotel, uh, hotel feed, man. You know, you know, we'll make it happen. He can show you his beats. <laughs> Sounds good, my man. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Joe. Nice. Thank you. Um, but, Eric, do you agree, disagree on that prediction? Um, I, I am actually in, in agreement there with, with Hunter. Uh, I, I think this team, uh, he's going to push it seven and a half, and I'm all in. I'm saying eight. Uh, I, I really like the pieces that they have. A guy who who's returning on defense who Hunter didn't mention is Ben DeLuca, mm-hmm. uh, a guy local. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, what was that, Hunter? He's a tackling machine. Yeah, he's, he's a tackling machine. He's a uh, Florida kid out of Orlando, Bishop Moore. I think he's going to be a stud. Um, and he did he did mention that that uh, the, the young talent coming in as far as Trey Bly. I had to say that a little slowly because if you've learned the past podcast, I kept calling him his father, Dre Bly. But uh, I think he's a really talented guy who's going to come in and, and maybe fill the, the, the shoes of uh, Ed Roll, who, who left due to graduation. But also two guys who are on offense who I think they just need to get this quarterback situation straightened out I am huge fans of Victor Tucker and Rico Arnold as a duo as receivers uh, I think both players are very talented and and when you got th- that type of receiving talent along with Benny LeMay that's where Hunter kind of mentioned it earlier all you need is to get the quarterback situation to open up this entire offense and if Will Healy can inject some of this this energy that Hunter keeps talking about into this program uh, I'm all in so I think they're, they're going to be an eight-win team uh, and I'm looking forward to that FIU Charlotte game because the for better or worse, Charlotte pushed them last year. Uh, FIU, they, the the box score may look a little closer than the game actually was, but Charlotte really pushed them, especially given the fact that they were a team that was struggling and FIU had come in uh, pretty hot at that point in time. So definitely looking forward to that game, but I absolutely believe that Charlotte will be a bowl team and, and could be looking at seven or eight wins. I'm going to say they make a bowl game. Uh, I don't know that they get the seven or eight wins. I, I think they're definitely on an upward trajectory. I don't know that it's going to get them to that eight win mark immediately, regardless of you know the energy that Will Healy's bringing in and these top recruits that were or these good recruits that we're talking about. Um, but I think definitely this is a program that's walking the road of steady improvement. I don't know that that we'll necessarily see something as 
you know, as drastic as like what we saw at FAU and Lane Kiffin's first year. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, go ahead, Hunter. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, I was going to actually uh, piggyback off what you said about uh, Tucker and Arnold real fast before we switch topics. Sure. Yeah, go for it. Uh, Victor Tucker, uh, all of his, all, like the majority of his stats, I was looking at it earlier, came in September. So, ended up being the number one guy this year. His numbers could really shoot through the roof. And uh, him and Arnold are. are uh, Arnold will both be sophomores so like there's another guy that we haven't quite talked about much his name is Cameron Dollar he's got a lot of potential as well to step in and be that third guy but sorry go ahead back to the other <laughs> no worries no no you're fine I, I'll, I'll just say really quick uh, for Joe jump back in you mentioned a, a lot of uh, Victor Tucker's numbers coming in September and I think a lot of that had to do with the inconsistency of the inconsistency, excuse me, of the quarterback play. So if they can get that straightened away, I mean, the FIU game, uh, I, I don't know which Hassan clue that was. I really thought it was Cam Newton making a guest appearance at Jerry Richardson Stadium that day. Uh, but that wasn't the... Yeah, that that wasn't the quarterback who we saw most of the year, um, and Chris Reynolds didn't go down. So if they can get the quarterback situation strained out, I think those guys will be fine. Yeah, it seems to be a case. Did you say they had a kid named uh, Cameron Dollar coming in? Uh, yeah. Uh, he was there last year, okay. but uh, he just didn't get a whole lot of time. But he is definitely up and coming. Uh, I actually met with Chris Reynolds the other day, and he was telling me that he's a really good route runner and definitely could have a breakout year this year. So definitely excited to watch him play. Nice. Is he from the uh, Atlanta area by chance? I am not sure on that okay. one. No, I just I, I asked because I feel like I remember there's a – some good basketball players named with the last name Dollar that came out of Atlanta, and I just didn't know if that was like the same family. Uh, it's actually Denver, North Carolina. So ah, so probably yeah, not the same family. Then. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Eric, did you mention that there was one other conference news-related thing that you wanted to get into, or? And no, that was it. I think the only thing I mentioned was just Keen coming in and want to touch on his uh, background really quick. So other than that, yeah, you know, like I uh, piggyback off of what Joe said there, excuse me, Joe, what, what Hunter said there, I'm so used to talking to you. Uh, I really think that Charlotte's really primed for, for a good season. And I, I know, you know, Joe, for better or worse, you haven't been as all in as I've been on this Charlotte program. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I really think that they're just, you know, if you get a chance to see Jerry Richardson Stadium, you know, the facilities are great there. It's a, Charlotte's a great town. So uh, I think think they're just right there and maybe will healy is a guy who can like hunter said inject that energy into the program and get things going in the right direction and I, i'd like to see it get started this year and i do think they have that potential uh to have that seven eight one season nice yeah i mean stranger things have happened for sure as uh <coughs> excuse me. stranger things have happened for sure with that program so uh hopefully they get it together and hopefully they they keep on this road of improvement that uh, we mentioned they were on um, I think that's it all we had for the uh, Charlotte recap slash preview here. Um, some other things that are happening this week. There's a little game down in Atlanta called the uh, Super Bowl. Um, what do you guys' plans for that? Mm. Uh, go ahead, Hunter. You got it, man. <laughs> uh, I'll definitely be watching. Um, not really biased on any of the teams, but I definitely do think the Saints got robbed. That game was horribly officiated. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. 
Um, <laughs> you forgot about that, Joe. Yeah, I, I hear a little bit of a little bit of dry sarcasm in your in your voice there. Um, <laughs> that's as, just my as, voice. Uh, Everybody thinks I'm sarcastic. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, okay. BJ. Um, <laughs> no, uh, my plans for the game. Uh, I'll, I'll be somewhere in the Tampa, in the greater Tampa Bay area, watching the game. Probably somewhere that uh, has an open bar and maybe a, a view of the bay, and uh, hopefully enjoying some food and and uh, and hopefully watching a Rams victory because I would like to see anything. Not that I'm biased in any way, but I, I could live without another Tom Brady Super Bowl. Sure. I got to watch my team. I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. I got to watch them beat the Patriots last year, so. I would be okay to watch another team beat them if that tells you how I feel. <laughs> I think the Rams have more Conference USA guys, so let's go with that. Uh, I know they have uh, Tyler Higby from Western and then um, Darius Williams from uh, UAB. Yeah, and then I think the – And G- G- Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett's from uh, UAB as well, correct? Uh, is he, oh, is he on their roster still? Yeah, yeah, he's still LA. Or yeah, LA Rams. Yeah, um, he's still there. So, huh? And is uh, he's from UAB? If my memory serves me correct, I'm going to do this on the fly here. I... As uh, Hunter, you can see, we do uh, a ton of uh, show prep here. We just throw things out and then Google them as we uh, as we try to throw each other off here. I, um, I, yes. I think he's from South Gerald, Alabama. Gerald. Uh, okay, Gerald Everett is from South Alabama. My apologies. You no, are 100 percent correct. <laughs> It's it's not us you got to worry about coming after you. It's Daily Dragon if you make a UAV mistake. <laughs> and and, and I, I think and I, I think the Daily Dragon came at me uh, earlier this year when I when I, I made the case that there was a game, and I wish I can't remember which which game it was, but I said that UAV played a team that didn't play their best game. They said no. Could it be possible that we just played up to our potential? And I said yeah, sure. But uh, the team you guys played didn't play their best game. So yeah, <laughs> uh, Daily Dragon and I are our friends. Yeah, oh, Daily, yeah, Daily Dragon, we love you. Come on the podcast. And, and, um, and, and okay, hang on. He was at UAB. See, I knew I didn't just make that up. Oh, thing okay. He was at UAB, and when the program shut down, he uh, he to South Alabama. So, okay, I just want to make sure I didn't make that about dinner, which I didn't. So, boom, Joe, in your face, long dinner. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Why is everything in my face all the time? Um, but uh, I think we have – I think that's it. So we have two and two for the Rams and the Patriots then. I think that's kind of interesting. Um, but, yeah, so if you're a Conference USA fan, you have equal reason to root for both teams, I guess. Um, or, no, you have more on the Rams then because that one was on the Rams. That'd cool. be correct. All right. This is the super professional part of the podcast. Um <laughs> With that, then, we'll just we'll go ahead and wrap up before we embarrass ourselves further. But thank you all so much for listening once again. Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Uh, keep checking back on the site every day throughout the offseason for more Conference USA and G5 football content. Uh, follow at Underdog Dynasty on Twitter as well. You can follow Eric on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. I'm at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore. Uh, Hunter, you want to plug your social media? Uh, at Hunter Bailey 45 sweet um, with that we will go ahead and wrap up everybody have a happy week watch the Super Bowl uh, and yeah we'll talk to you next week with uh, with another guest happy football watching happy football watching